Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. It is the thirty-first of January, twenty twenty-three, and as I warned you yesterday. 30 days has September, April, June, and November. All the rest have 31, except for February, which I confess to you, I have to look at the calendar to figure out every year. But that means that today is the 31st. It's the last day of January. Anything you thought you were going to get done in the first month, yeah, that that's it's over. Today's the day. Today's growing your faith verse of the day from comes from Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Now, this is one of those that I commend you to memorize. Like, I, I just... You know, there's some verses that we can just so easily call to mind. Um, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You probably memorized it in a particular version or translation of the Bible. And so that's the one that comes readily to mind. My guess is that uh, if we started it off, most of us could recite together the 23rd Psalm. Many of us could recite passage, or at least a portion of Romans chapter 8. Um, so I want you to just think about the the Bible that is in you, right? The one that's actually in you. That's the memorized one. That's the one that we have eaten. It has become a part of who we are. We have soaked in it long enough that it has uh, it has become a part of us. I want Colossians three seventeen to be one of those verses for you today. Whatever you do or say. Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Said a little differently, whatever you do or say today, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. What does it look like to represent Christ, to make a representation today? To the world of who Christ is, his character and his ways. Um, yeah, you have to know him. You have to know his character and his ways in order to represent him. You can't present to others what you have not received as a present unto yourself. You can't be present for Christ with others if the presence of Christ is not dwelling within you. What you do, do it as an honest, faithful, and accurate re presentative, representation of Jesus, and do it with a thankful heart and a spirit of thanksgiving. How do I do that, you say? Well, um, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all you are, all you have, and all you do. Love others as much as you love yourself. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me, well, in me, through me, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We represent Christ when Christ is present in us. Yep, I'm playing with the word today. So uh, go ahead and um, think, think with me through this. 
If I could uh, draw three little pictures, one would be like of a gift to be unwrapped. We'll call that one the present, like the gift, the present. But then there is Christ present with me and the way in which I am present on behalf of Christ for others. We call it the ministry of presence. And then there is this presentation component. Present your case for Christ to others. So maybe you want to write down the word present, like as in gift, or present as in to be with someone, or present to show, demonstrate in the spirit of representation, the way we represent Christ. Maybe you want to write down the word present, 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 and say to yourself, huh, huh, whatever I do today, let me do it as one who has received the present of God in the person of Christ, operate out of his presence with me by the Spirit and represent him to others always and in all ways. Have fun today unwrapping the reality of Christ in whose presence you receive the greatest present of all time and through whom you present the good news of God's saving grace to someone who wonders today if there is for them any hope at all. That'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Live into Colossians 3.17 today by presenting the present of the presence of Christ. All right, one quick headline here before we jump to our conversation with Nick Pitts. Uh, A federal jury on Monday acquitted a pro-life activist. His name is Mark Hoke. Um, He was charged with violating the FACE Act. You might even not know what the FACE Act is, but it prohibits, quote, violent, threatening, damaging, and obstructive conduct intended to injure, intimidate, or interfere with the right to seek, obtain, or provide reproductive health services. Uh, In short, you cannot place yourself in any way, shape, or form in the way of a person seeking to get an abortion in America. And if you do, you will be in violation of the FACE Act. Well, um, Mark Hoke is, uh, in addition to being a concerned Christian about those who are unborn and therefore have no voice of their own yet. He's also a dad. He brought his 12-year-old son along with him when he was, um, you know, seeking to influence those who were seeking to access abortion. This is October of 2021. Um, this happens in the hallway of uh, outside of an abortion clinic where a 72-year-old escort named Bruce, who was escorting women seeking to get abortion. So Bruce here is like, you know, the person who's making sure the woman gets an abortion. Um, And Mark is the one seeking to speak life. And um, he was accused of having having shoved Bruce uh, after Bruce got up in the grill of his 12-year-old son and started yelling at him. So you know, a jury said, uh, no, this is a hallway skirmish. This is not a violation of the FACE Act. And let's see if as adults, we can't figure out better how to, um, well, treat one another with the dignity of our humanity in the hallway. All right. Next up, Nick Pitts is joining us. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. We're going to talk about, wow, some 58,000 of our uh, fellow Americans who have lost their jobs just in one sector of the American economy lately. Um, How about you? How are things going for you in your workplace? You can always text me during the show, 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. 
All right, joining us today, Nick Pitts. You can find him. Um, well, you can find him on Twitter at JNickPitts. You can also find him at the Institute for Global Engagement. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Carmen, from IC Dallas, Texas. Mm, all right. Well, um, I see no ice where I am, but many people see ice today. So thank you for joining us from IC Dallas, Texas. And thank you for being a person who represents Christ um, as a faithful representative of his character and his ways every day. Let me just uh, start with that. Well, I am exceedingly grateful to join the great cloud of witnesses to do so, um, being that fragrant aroma to him, to a world that is lost and in desperate need of the hope of Christ. Yeah, amen. Amen. Um, a lot of folks dealing with sudden loss um, here in, in recent weeks, um, and lots of them because they have been laid off from uh, from jobs, many of whom got these jobs during COVID because the tech world thought that once we all went online for everything, we'd all just start living there. Um, tell us what's going on. Yeah, it's interesting. We probably have all seen the headlines. It's 10,000 jobs here. It's 6% there of layoffs that are happening all across the tech sector. Adding them all up, approximately 58,000 U.S. workers um, uh, in the tech sector have lost jobs this year alone. Again, we're just one month into it. Last year was probably around 140,000, we calculated, of jobs that were lost. And like you've kind of mentioned, a lot of that was due to just this explosion in the tech sector and very hefty and generous projections and forecasts um, moving forward when we were in the pandemic and we relied very heavily upon technology during that time. And now some of those dreams and some of those um, those projections aren't coming to fruition. And so we're seeing a lot of individuals laid off and it's, it's sad, one, but then two, it's also kind of a unique opportunity for individuals to reimagine what their career path might look like. Now, Nick, in addition to um, hanging out periodically with us and focusing on, you know, the intersection of the Christian faith and um, and just our life in the world, um, you have a day job. Uh, and I'm wondering if you have some of these glamorous corporate perks that I'm reading about, like some of the whining <laughs> that is going on in relationship to the loss of these jobs is because um, these people in the tech sector have everything from catered lunches. I mean, there's like no reason for them to ever leave their work campus. They have nap rooms. Um, they have Harry Potter themed conference rooms. Um, they have uh, a gourmet uh, corporate supply, supplied lunches, um, in, in-house baristas, on and on and on and on and on. Um, and, and maybe part of the reason that these big tech companies are having to lay people off is they have so lavishly spent on the work environment. Yeah, my, pa- my papa um, frequently would say who did not work in the tech sector, to say the very least. My, my papa used to say he was a government contracted killer because he was a exterminator for uh, uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Um, and so my papa would frequently say, uh, be careful of the company that provides work uh, lunch for you, and because they expect <laughs> you to work over lunch then. 
Um, and so what we're finding with a lot of these companies is that they offer these perks and amenities in turn to keep you to keep you at the place one at the job site and then to keep you working. And now some of those just went above and beyond, um, like the Harry Potter themed workplaces and and some of these uh, the nap rooms that they're providing for you, um, because in turn, they're expecting you to work longer hours and hopefully you will take a little nap during the day and uh, stay longer at night. But those lush perks and free services, um, Derek Thompson out of the Atlantic calls that the millennial consumer subsidy. Um, these are these companies that are uh, in uh, seeing because money was so cheap when interest rates were so low, they were willing to take out more loans to be able to try to entice their workers to stay. But now the uh, the it's come home to roost now, and they're having to again reimagine with reality and the expectations that come with it. Um, I could have used your um, your papaw last night. Uh, I uh, I heard a lot of squawking, and um, Jim is away at Winter Special Olympics, and so <clears throat> it was dark. And I ventured out to the chicken coop to find them very very stressed at the presence of a very large possum. And oh, I could boy. have used, I know, I could have used the help of a uh, of an exterminator. Instead, I had to become the exterminator. And so there you go. Maybe more on oh, that. Oh, there later. we are. Uh huh. We're talking with Nick Pitts. Uh, he's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. When we come back, we're going to talk about, well, the Super Bowl, or at least the ads you can expect to see during the Super Bowl. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with J. Nick Pitts. Well, I mean, that's his handle on Twitter. He's really just Nick Pitts in real life. Uh, we're talking with him about headline news, and we're going to pivot now to the sports, kind of to the sports section, but also to like the advertising section. Um, Nick, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to take on the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. Um, and one of the things that people will be watching, even people who don't watch football, they're going to watch the ads. Um, lots of babies and lots of puppies. Those are my expectations. But then there's this ad campaign called He Gets Us. Can you read us in on this? Yeah, yeah. He gets us. It's a, it's about a $100 million effort. Um, was launched, uh, I believe, earlier last year around this understanding of wanting to make Jesus as relatable and contextually, uh, uh, just contextually paint him as an individual that very much understands what individuals are going through and can provide hope on the back end. It's funded by a Christian foundation out of Kansas and, and just as a really very unique way to, to do everything from T-shirts to billboards to commercials and then even like the top commercial, which is obviously the Super Bowl spending upwards of $5 million um, for 30 seconds so that they might be able to share the message of Jesus in a contextually appropriate manner. 
Yeah, I mean, the idea here is that no matter who you are, no matter the circumstances of your birth or your life, um, no matter where you're from, no matter the challenges you face, like Jesus gets you. Like he gets us. That's the uh, that's the idea behind this. And so as you see these um, ads, either on billboards near where you live or um, or you see them on social media or you see them during the Super Bowl, it is designed as an opportunity for you as a Christian to make a connection with somebody else. Like I I want to invite you to use it. Um, don't just watch it and let it um, pass you by, but actually like use it in a conversation that you might have with somebody um you know, who's is sharing that same space with you. So whoever's with you in the car, whoever's watching the game, um, those kinds of things. Um, now, I have a different kind of question for you, Nick. <clears throat> um, do you have a favorite writing utensil? Like, other oh, than boy, like typing on the computer, do you have like a favorite pen? Okay, so George Strait insists you write this down. Pen number three, which is the Sharpie S gel, is easily is the pen. It is all right. Tell, tell people what best. we're tell people what we're talking about. Oh my goodness! So uh, someone's tweet has gone viral, and he's laid out. I believe it's around seven different types of pens, and he says, and essentially he's asking individuals to p- choose one of the pens that they think is the best type of pen for the rest of your life. Which one are you picking? And since it was posted or since it was tweeted uh, last week, I think it was the 25th, post has been viewed more than 32 million times and received over, I want to say, a- at least thirty, more than 30,000 people have quote tweeted this. Just unbelievable. So I'm pen three of the choices offered. But as anyone listening can attest to who has ever received a Faith Radio pen, we actually have a pen that's superior to all the pens presented. Wow. Wow. I know. We have the best pen. Literally the best pen. And That's a tall claim. But here but here I so when we brought up this segment, we were talking about talking about this yesterday. I had to go and do some research, as as I often do. And (laughs) what I found is something that's very shocking, okay? So the average person loses more than 3,000 possessions in their lifetime, including 384 pins. And so that makes me think, Carmen, are you plus or minus 384 pins you've lost in your life? Oh, I'm plus. I'm plus. I'm plus, definitely. Okay. Oh yeah, I'm pilfering pens for sure. No, I'm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're okay. if you're missing it, I probably have it. <laughs> Just <laughs> go ahead and confess that. <laughs> you are the sort. You are the lost and found box roaming I, around. Much. Pretty much. Primarily composed of pens. Yeah. I, yeah. Pen, pens and pens and pencils. Yeah. Okay. Um, have you ever been to the National Prayer Breakfast? I have, yeah. I went probably okay. I, five years ago. Okay, I have not. I have not. So um, what was your experience uh, or a little bit of what you, like, What what is it? Because it's happening this week, but it's not what it used to be. So um, maybe just share with us what your experience was, and then we'll tell people what the change is. Yeah, um, prayer breakfast was initiated as just a time for congressional leaders to come together to pray for leaders uh, of our country. And it had grown leaps and bounds over the year. I want to say it's upwards of a thousand people that more than a thousand people were gathering together in a hotel ballroom in Washington, DC to pray, uh, to come together once a year to pray. And it had really had become a, a very big, 
large in numeric attendance event. And so what they've decided now they're uh, to scale it down significantly just to members of Congress from my understanding and one of the, uh, a priest or a, a spouse or partner that's associated with the member. Yeah, I, I think it's gone um, uh, undergone what I would call a reset, um, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe more what it was originally um, designed and launched to be, um, because it had become this like multi-day, um, very very significant political event in Washington, and uh, it sounds like uh, this year, um, you know, we're we're moving uh, in the direction of it being very small. Uh, I mean, by comparison. Um, and very much focused on uh, members of, of Congress praying with and for one another. So I just wanted to highlight that for folks in case that was something that you've you know tracked over the years and you're wondering what's going on with the prayer breakfast because you're not hearing much news about it. That's because it's probably not going to make much news. Um, people are going to get together and pray. There you go. Nick, as yeah. always, um, thank you so very much. Oh, and very so, quickly, the rest of the story. Are you, are you looking for the rest of the story on the possum? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, 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 um, I'm tuned in. The possum was trespassing, <clears throat> clearly, and I denied, I denied the possum his First Amendment right by exercising mm-hmm. my Second Amendment right. That's that's I all feel, I will say about that. Uh, he was uh, mm-hmm. the 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 castle doctrine, right? He mm-hmm. he brought that's it, exactly he made his way right. onto your land. Yeah, he did. And you were the you were the queen of the castle, so I, I have dispatched him. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, my friend, for joining us. So good to be with you, Carmen. It's great to have you. That's Nick Pitts. You can connect with him on Twitter at jnickpitts. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's go upwards with Max Lucado. Throw me like a stone in the water. Watch the mud rise up. Dress me like a lamb for the slaughter. Pour me in your cup. All right, what in the world is going on in the world? Let me read you in uh, quickly here on what is happening in Pakistan. For those of you who um, may have missed this story, the death toll has now risen to 92. Um, 92 people confirmed dead after a mosque suicide bombing targeting uh, police officers in the city of Peshawar in, in Pakistan. So the mosque is actually within a high security zone. The investigation underway uh, as to how the bomber got in. Um, the attack is one of Pakistan's bloodiest in many years, and um, many hundreds of people were injured. Uh, outlets this morning are reporting that an, uh, an offshoot of the Taliban claimed responsibility. That is known as the TTP. Uh, they have stepped up their attacks in Pakistan since the Taliban seized power in na- neighboring Afghanistan. So after the Taliban um, came to power in Afghanistan, um, there was an agreement between the Pakistani government and the TTP for a ceasefire. Well, that appears to have now um, thoroughly eroded. So um, grief, grief today um, across Pakistan. Now, remember, this, you know, Pakistan also just experienced uh, just just several months ago, you know, this devastating flood um, that covered most of the portion of the, the agricultural heartland of the country, ruining, ruining um, a third of the country in terms of its ability to produce food this season. They're also in a financial crisis, soaring inflation, heavy foreign debt. Um, I mean, literally, Pakistan is a country that can no longer pay its bills and where its people are becoming increasingly um, d- demanding of change. 
all of that uh, against the backdrop of this long-running war with uh, this radical Islamist movement known as TTP. And so let's be praying today um, for the people of Pakistan. Um, And let me just say this, at any point today that you're tempted to criticize the government where you live, wherever that is, or the pace of response to some um, disaster where you live, or the freedom to express your faith and, um, and, and the relative security you feel going and gathering um, for worship, I want you to allow God to turn your attention to uh, people half a world away who um, are living today in very real um, fear and desperation. Let's uh, hashtag, let's pray the news today, specifically with our hearts and minds um, focused on, on, on Pakistan. Now, Pakistan's not the only place where terrorists have attacked people during worship this week. Luke Moon is going to join us next, help us understand what's going on in Israel. Also, help us understand what's happening right here in the United States in terms of very virulent, open hatred directed at the Jews. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns. Luke Moon is back. You can find him and what we're talking about today at philosproject.org. Philos is P-H-I-L-O-S, philosproject.org. Luke, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. Good morning. All right, so um, help us understand what, I mean, it's got so many threads we could pull, but um, maybe brief us in on what has happened in Israel and um, and attacks there in, in just recent days. Yeah, uh, a few days ago, there was uh, basically there's been a terrorist group in a city called Janine that has been, you know, actively preparing to target Israelis. Uh, There's been some uh, stabbing attacks and it was Israel basically was fed up. And so they went and and uh, cleaned out the terrorist uh, cell. And uh, as a result, uh, some of the people who were part of that group uh, then attacked uh, Jews who were coming out of synagogue on Friday, uh, killing seven of them uh, as they were leaving uh, the synagogue. And it, it's, it was a pretty horrific attack. Uh, there's been a few other smaller attacks uh, since then. But it's, yeah, it's it's kind of the, the first real test of uh, the current or the, the new uh, Bibi Netanyahu administration uh, as they have to deal with, you know, a, a very uh, tense uh, situation. Um, and the attack that took place on the Sabbath was also the International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Um, and, you know, let me thank you again for the ways in which you have helped me, how you've helped open my eyes and helped me to see um, in relationship to um, the Holocaust. Thank you for... Um, you know, being with me at um, at Yad Vashem and walking uh, walking that path. Talk with us about um, the necessity of remembering and never forgetting what happened in the Holocaust. Well, I think it's important that you know it, it's one of those things that's all throughout the Bible, the call to remember. And I think we remember uh, the Holocaust for for two reasons. One. Uh, you know, it was it was 
the the generations attempt to exterminate the Jewish people uh the you know the Nazis tried to round them up and and every kill every Jew right and and we remember that that horrific act probably one of the most brutal attempts uh by any people against another people I mean, we 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 don't get the word genocide from that but but it certainly is evidence of of genocide the, the actual attempt to eradicate a whole people group uh and but we also remember it because the nazis failed uh one of the things i love to do um is after we after i take people to yad vashem which is the holocaust memorial in in jerusalem uh, we go from there to the market uh which is the major kind of fruit and vegetable and food market in in jerusalem and to me it's it's important to provide that that contrast because on one hand you just had this very uh tearful experience of walking through and seeing the brutality of man against man and then uh you you go to the market and you see people laughing and and celebrating life and picking up food for their family and just uh you know it's 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 an evidence that that the Nazis failed to me. And it's, I think it's such, it's so important. It's important we remember the Holocaust so that it doesn't happen again. Uh, it's important that we remember the Holocaust as once again, as the, the, the forces of darkness tried to exterminate the Jewish people, uh, they, they were not exterminated. And I think God has uh, something special in store for the Jewish people specifically. So one of the things that um, I've learned because I've learned to listen better uh, with you um, is that it's not like the Holocaust started with putting people on train cars and sending them to extermination camps. Um, it started long before that. Um, it starts with language. It starts with um, uh, neighbors not responding when neighbors are attacked for their faith, when anti-Semitic speech um, is allowed in a culture. So can you talk with us a little bit about what's happening today in the United States of America in terms of anti-Semitism and why Christians have to, must stand up the first time and every time we encounter it? Yeah, I mean, to, to your point, I mean, it, it, there was a lot of, a lot of you know, Holocaust or, or genocide starts with dehumanizing language language that said you know refers to people as cockroaches that was what you know the that was the situation in rwanda and it was an ongoing like those people are not people there it's a dehumanization and once once people become like cockroaches then they become exterminatable right and it's the language actually matters but it's you know, it's not just it, like the language is, is one of those things, you know, I'm old enough to remember, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Right. Like this idea that, you know, we, we aren't hurt by words and and which is kind of true, but also kind of not because it does. Words obviously do hurt us. But over time, those words begin to build up. And what we're seeing in the United States is th that. The, the a significant rise in uh attacks specifically on the jewish people 60 percent of all religiously motivated hate crime is against jews uh there's there's 
honestly, the, the sad thing is, Carmen, that I follow this pretty, you know, as a professionally. Um, and there is an anti-Semitic incident somewhere in the United States almost every day. You know, yesterday mm-hmm. uh, there was a, uh, well, between Sunday and Monday, uh, there was a Molotov cocktail thrown at a synagogue uh, in New Jersey. And, you know, it's one of those things like there was, you know, it's on on there's the random, you know, a, a man, uh, a Jewish man walking down the street. You know, somebody walks up behind him and knocks his uh, keeper on the ground. Uh, you know, so, you know, a guy will be walking down the street. Somebody comes up and just punches him in the back for no reason. Like that happens almost every day. And that's. That's well, I mean, obviously that's atrocious for, you know, just you know, again, human to human. But, you know, I think anti-Semitism is is a it is a unique form of hatred because the Jews were the people by which God brought his moral revelation into this world, and the world hates him for it. And I think we're what we see in this in this, you know, basically millennia length attacks on the Jewish people is directly due to the fact that they are still gods uh they are still special to god in and and i think uh are are part of his redemptive plan for the world Hmm. um omar elon uh well so we have this member of congress um elon omar and she uh says that she didn't know that the things that she was saying were considered anti-Semitic. Um, and, and I want to be, uh, I want to be as gracious as possible here because I have certainly said racist things in the past that I didn't realize were racist until a person of color told me that they were racist. And, um, and so I want to, you know, I want to be as open as possible here. Um, but I, I also have reason to think that this was a little tongue in cheek, um, and so talk with us about what's happening at the national level in terms of this conversation, particularly, you know, we're talking about members of Congress. Right. Well, Elon Omar is upset because uh, Kevin McCarthy has taken her off of the uh, National Security Committee or International Affairs Committee. Well, one of those like international committees that mm-hmm. we have in, in Congress. And and so she went on radio or on TV this weekend and basically said, yeah, I didn't know that that, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, Congress is hypnotized by Israel was was anti-Semitic, right? And and that the other comments that she made uh, over the year, you know, it's it's all about the Benjamins, and you know, it's like that kind of thing. You're like, it's it's one thing, Carmen, to your point, like if if you know you say something and you get called out on it and you're like, whoa! I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean I. I didn't mean that, right? Uh, but to do it over and over and over again is 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 shows me that it's actually something deeper, right? And I mean, she, she is representing a a part of the country where it's there's a there's a large Muslim uh, population, and it's you know in there's uh there's a lot of anti-semitism within within the muslim and arab communities 
because you know they see them you know that israel as uh as the the major uh problem of the middle east you know if israel was not there then the middle east would be at peace right and and the degree to which jews are connected to israel which is obvious uh it's there there's a lot there um and she is one of of 17 or 18 congress people who consistently uh vote against israel when you know when israel has their iron dome uh missile system which protects them from rockets coming from gaza when israel needed uh and and we the u.s supplies uh israel with the rockets for that and when we when they asked us uh for a resupply uh, she was part of the group of 18 Congress people that fought against that. So fighting against a defensive weapon for Israel is, I'm sorry, it's like it shows something deeper. Uh, and, you know, my, you know, it. it I don't think uh, you have to vote 100 percent for Israel. But I do think that, you know, her words are are evident of you know, a deeper problem that she has in her district. And and if she was truly going to lead in a way of unity and trying to tear down boundaries and, you know, not foster, you know, anti-Semitism and hate, she would do that in her community first and with her with her words. We're going to continue our conversation with Luke Moon from the Philos Project. We're going to pivot and talk about um, something that took place 100 years ago and has relevance for something happening today. So I want you to just think for a moment, what do you know about 1923? What do you know what do you know about something called the Treaty of Lausanne? What do you know about millions of people being deported from their home country and forcibly moved to another country because of their faith? You know anything about that? You're going to learn more next here on Mornings with Carmen. Receive a daily email featuring a scripture graphic. Sign up for the verse of the day email at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation with Luke Moon, you can find him at PhilosProject.org. Luke, remind us um, about the... Armenian genocide, remind us, well, let me just quickly brief people in on what happened 100 years ago in terms of um, the the signing of the Treaty of Lausanne. So in case you're not familiar with this, there was a compulsory population exchange between Greece and Turkey. It took place 100 years ago. An estimated 1.6 million people were forcibly expelled from their homes. 1.2 million of them were Christians, um, most of them Greek Orthodox, from, um, they were expelled from the Ottoman Empire or within the boundary of Turkey, forced to leave their generational homes behind, the only country they'd ever known, the place where they had always lived, um, and moved to a place that for them was an utterly foreign country. Greece um, headed the other direction, 400,000 Muslims forced to move from their homes in Greece to Turkey. The idea here was to prevent further annihilation of um of religiously ethnic populations, but it it really is like an attempt at total ethnic cleansing um, in these two countries. Um, The context of all of this was, uh, in part, the Armenian genocide and also the genocide of the Anatolian Greeks. So with that in mind, um, 
Tell us what's going on today, Luke. Um, the Philos Project is calling upon the Biden administration to help prevent a second such genocide. What's going on? Yes, there there is a region uh, within the you know basically it's a it's a little kind of appendage to uh, to Armenia within a, the country of Azerbaijan. Uh, it's a region called Artsakh. It's the majority of the population of Artsakh is. Armenian and Armenians are actually, the, I would say the the if there was a the, the oldest Christian ethnicity in the world. They were the first uh, people to adopt Christianity as a people group. Uh, were the Armenians, uh, and so it goes. Their 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 connection to the faith goes way way back. Um, and there's this area called Artsakh. It also has another complicated name, uh, Narongo, uh, Karabakh, but nonetheless, it's it's this very specific region of, of Armenia. Uh, it's surrounded by Azerbaijan, and there's one way in and one way out. And the uh, Azerbaijan has blockaded that uh, to prevent uh, food and gas and fuel. It's the dead of winter. It's a mountainous region. There's about 120,000 Christians living in that, uh, in that, in that area. Uh, and, and, you know, basically if it wasn't for the Red Cross, uh, they, they will starve to death. Um, and it's, it's really a contentious situation. The thing is, we get the word genocide from uh, what happened to the Armenians uh, in uh, around uh, 1915. Uh, and there's just basically a massive ethnic cleansing across the region by the Ottomans. It wasn't just against the uh, Armenians. It was against, you know, also um, Assyrians were killed and Greeks were killed, but the bulk, the majority were Armenian and it's it was it it's uh you know it's a Christian Muslim conflict. I mean the Azerbaijan is a Muslim country uh and uh Armenia is a Christian country and they are the, the Azerbaijan is seeking to ethnically cleanse this region of Armenians and you know they it's one of those issues where you know Armenia is a small country surrounded by big countries. They don't have a lot of friends. Uh, the U.S. is allied. You know, uh, Turkey is a member of NATO. We have a giant military base in, in Turkey, which prevents us from doing probably a lot that we would do otherwise. Um, you know, and, and Turkey is, uh, is, you know, it has a long uh, feud with Armenia and prevents has prevented up until actually the Biden administration acknowledged uh, the 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 genocide against Armenia. You know they they worked really hard. The Turks worked really hard to prevent you know any American administration from 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 saying that there was a genocide. So this is a this has been going on for a hundred years, but it's one of those moments where it's much much worse. Uh, what we're, you know, asking people to do is is actually, uh, you know, sign up for updates. We're updating people, but we're also inviting people to come with us uh, later this year uh, to that region, to Armenia, 
uh, and Artsakh to see firsthand for themselves uh, what's going on on the ground. Uh, and people who are interested in signing up to be a part of that uh, trip uh, can text Armenia to 210-940-1073. All right, you better give us that again. 210-940-1073. And text Armenia to that number and you'll sign up for the updates and we'll let you know about the trip later this year. All right. I'm going to include that in my show notes today. Um, and so if you're uh, if you subscribe to Mornings with Carmen and you get this as a podcast, um, you'll you'll get all of the show notes, the links at Philos um, Project for everything going on there. And also um, an article at Providence Magazine we didn't have time to talk with Luke about today. And that's about China's cultural genocide against the Uyghurs. We don't want to lose track of what's happening there as well. Um, Luke, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. It's a a grace. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge. This is Faith Radio. All right, friends. um, Thank you for your interaction on the text line this morning. Remember, you can always text me during the show, 877-933-248. Eight four, great day to sign up today at myfaithradio.com for all kinds of um, wonderful things happening here. Um, love to include you in each and every one of those things. Um, thank you to the listener who texted in Psalm 31, verse 19. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. Um, Let's count our blessings today. Let's represent Christ to the world today. Um, God has given him as a gift. That is a present. I hope you are opening in your own life. I hope that um, our presence with one another is a reflection of the goodness of God and his blessing and grace in our midst. And then I hope that you're more fully equipped now to present and represent Christ to those around you today. We got another hour. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.